Hello and welcome to the Science Fiction Book Review Podcast. My name is Luke Burridge and this is the show where I review every single science fiction book that I read as I read it. There's no set schedule, it's just whenever I finish a book I do the review, stick it up here on the podcast for everyone to download and listen to. And uh, today I'm doing this podcast review by myself because after um, a summer of travelling and uh, hanging out with Juliana, I'm back on a work trip. I'm currently in a port in Slovenia, I think, Kopfer, Kopa in Slovenia. Um, but I, uh, I was going to head out into town and then I didn't have my passport with me. So I went back and I realized, hey, I've only got seven minutes left of my audiobook. So let me finish up the seven minutes, do the review. And then when I head into town, I can find some Wi-Fi to upload it. So let's do this thing. The book that I'm reviewing this time out is called Embers of War. Um, by, let me quickly look this up, it's on my phone, uh, Embers of War, Embers of War, book number one, by Gareth L. Powell. And I can't remember why I read this book. I found it um, in my uh, to-read list or to, to well, my wish list on, um, on uh, Audible, and uh, it was like 10 hours long, and I was like, hey, a 10-hour audiobook is kind of what I'm looking for now, because this is going to be, you know, I'm gonna, I've, I've done some longer books before, and I'm going to have some longer books in my future, because we're planning on uh, doing Verna Vinge's Deepness in the Sky, which is, I think, like a 28-hour audiobook, and Juliana's reading that, so I, was like, I thought I needed something a bit smaller than that, um, but still a fun book. And I think I saw this mentioned somewhere on Twitter. Anyway, it's a book that came out last year, Embers of War, number one, when it, what does it say here? Um, uh, published in February 2018. Oh yeah, so it's about a year and a half old, this book is. Um, and the setup is this, the trouble, the, no, so it says the warship Trouble Dog was built and bred for calculated violence, yet following a brutal war, she finds herself disgusted by conflict and her role in possible war crime. Um, seeking to atone, she joins the House of Reclamation, an organization dedicated to rescuing ships in distress. And uh, that pretty much sets it up. It's the Embers of War. So there's been a big, a big, uh, you know, space battle-based um, war. Uh, lots of planets being bombarded. And the book opens with one, um, one character, um, a sort of general in the army, saying, "Hey, what we're going to do is instead of doing a targeted bombing campaign on these on these bunkers in this sentient forest, what we're going to do is we're just going to destroy the whole planet or destroy the whole continent. Um, which means we also destroyed this sentient." Um, a sentient uh, forest which has been around for you know a million this this forest is like a million years old and it's sentient it's never really explained what, what how sentient it is or why it's sentient or what benefit it has by being a sentient forest or or whatever like that we just know that there's been a a, a genocide a, a genocide of a whole other um, alien species by wiping out um, all life on this planet but it does stop the war and then this is set like three years later um, after the end of the war Although there is this comment by one of the characters sort of like, oh no, we didn't lose the war, we just decided to stop fighting. And it feels like, yeah, there was, there was an atrocity so big that they're just like, ah, oh, look, we're not even going to try come back from this. However, I never really felt like it, it, it was with, um, say, in the Second World War, where kind of the war, like the, the World War, I wouldn't say it was winding down, but, there's, but it was one of those times when you're just like, all oh, right, so if we drop, if we drop this bomb they'll know that we've got this bomb and they don't have this bomb but in this case it, it seemed to be just sort of like oh right we're just we took out some leadership and then they don't mind and it was never really it was never really clear what that big war was going on about in fact this is probably my issue with the whole book everything seems to be set up and you're just like oh this is this this is why it's happening you're like oh that's why it's happening but why that and then there's never anything under the surface of any of this any of this book um 
and I don't really even know how to start talking about it, but it felt like a story. Uh, like there's, there, it's like hitting lots of buzz points, uh, buzz buzzwords, and 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 it's hitting lots of points which I would normally really like in science fiction, space opera kind of stuff. It feels like a an Alistair Reynolds book. It kind of feels like a culture. Book. Uh, and you know, it's another British author doing you know British science fiction. Again, the the politics are kind of there in the same way that I like from Alistair Reynolds and uh, and um, these you know these other British. I mean, I talked about that on a, a previous episode, so I don't need to get into it a bit more about it being a little bit lefty and lefty politics. In, uh, you know, being. Uh, involve like the science fiction involves lefty politics in a way which it isn't just sort of like someone is really cool and gets lots of power and then goes off and then gets even more power and it's great it's more like oh who are the downtrodden who are the who are the people down on the uh, on the ground level and um so uh so yeah that's all that's all there but every single time i thought oh why why is that happening it's sort of like nope you don't under you don't get to you don't get to know it so for example there's this thing where um this uh this uh uh, what am I going to say? This general, she is the one who, right at the start, again, not a spoiler, no, right at the start, she's saying, hey, what we're going to do is I'm giving the order and you're going to destroy this sentient forest and other people follow her orders and does what she uh, and does what she says. And in that way, they win the war, quote unquote, win the war. And then she becomes a poet and she lives for three years. But then I was thinking, OK, in three years, this book is that three years later, she gets a new identity, she gets surgery, she gets uh, um, her face done and she changes her height and other things like that. She gets a new identity and then she becomes a world famous or multiple world famous poet. And then people are looking up to her and when she's on this cruise, on this cruise ship or this line or whatever it's say, um, she's traveling around and everyone's looking up to her and she's got groupies because she's such an amazing poet. But we never hear any of her poetry. We hear some other people's poetry, like some of the sections start off with some poetry, but that's poetry from our world in our time. Um, I can't remember that off the top of my head which poets are chosen, but a few lines by this poet, you know, this other poet. But here's the thing. When, when um, Ian M. Banks in his culture novels, he often has somebody as one of the main characters who is an artist of some kind. But we don't just, we're not just told that this person is a world famous artist or this person is a world famous musician. We spend time with them practicing. We spend time with them performing. We spend time with them being famous. We spend time with them getting, we're getting to know them. So uh, what there was the, um, I can't remember which novel it is, but there was one person who gets extra arms. So she, she's now a four-armed being, so she can play this certain harp properly. And then you get the player of games, of course. You get him, and you spend time with him playing games, and you get to know him as a game player before he gets thrust into the action. Whereas in this case, we don't get to know any of the characters before they do anything. We get sometimes like a little comment about their backstory, but like we can't just have comments about their backstory or them remembering back and going, oh, let me remember back to this time before the action started and what my life was like there. Um, so all of the characters are kind of a bit like, I never really felt like they had any depth to them. Like, why is poet is, is poetry a big thing in the world now? But, but we never see anything outside of warships. We never see anything outside of the House of Reclamation. Um, this kind of like uh, emergency, hey, we're going to go help people in distress. It felt me a bit like the Thunderbirds. No, Thunderbirds? What is it? The uh, Thun... What's the one where there's... Uh, Thunderbirds are go. Yeah, maybe it's Thunderbirds. Anyway, so we're going to go and help people. We're going to go and rescue people. If there's any ship crashed, we're going to go over there and try and get them up and things. Um, so, yeah, let me have a look. I made a few other notes here as well. Um, so, 
yeah, there's the there's also a thing which is like this big dumb object. You know, like oh, there's this piece of artwork the size of a planet left over precursor technology from this previous race from you know some alien situation which we've not done before. And then again, Ian and Banks is just like well, Ian and Banks just can write that you know write that in his sleep you know Alistair Reynolds like he has whole novels you know talking about this exact kind of thing about leftover alien technology and finding out what it's about and it kind of takes work to find out what it's about and in this case they kind of just someone accidentally goes oh there's a door here into this big thing or we'll just go see what's inside and you're like yeah but then Arthur C. Clarke did all of that and you get all of these it just brings to mind this book kind of always brought to mind other authors who have done it better and also there's this this um starship where you go okay we've got this um a trouble dog and trouble dog is a starship with a personality and and i'm like okay so we've seen lots of starships with personalities oh but it's got like a human mind in there as well so there's some kind of human human brain substrate in there and these these cells these um brain cells have been taken from a human or cloned or stem cells have been cloned from a human i'm like i just i've just been reading a book like the murder bot which has had done that and and lecky has done sort of like um spaceship with a mind who is no longer a what used to be a warship but no longer wants to be a warship and i just keep thinking like i've just like it's it's hitting all of the high points all of the sort of in vogue areas of like all ah, right so we're going to have a, an artificial intelligence which has got a human substrate but they don't know anything about the human brain that's underneath except that now they're a warship and they don't want to be shooting people i'm like i just read we just did murderbot diaries we've just done Anne lecky's um, ancillary justice or ancillary war what is it ancillary mercy that whole series we i've just i've just done all of that what does this add to it and then i was thinking no wait a second ian and banks did this before all of these others where he had his the drones and i'm not sure the minds they have their own um you know big let's say a positronic brain it isn't that but then drones don't have what a ship mind has so they have other computing kind of things going on and and that even they have a substrate of of uh, an organic substrate in their mind and they say oh yeah i went too fast and i pulled too many genes and my organic substrate has been liquefied but that will grow back and then i'll have like an organic section to my brain an organic section to my intellect and so yeah ship mines has been done and all these other kind of things have been done and i was like well what are you what's what's this bringing into it oh that this these uh, the 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 trouble dog and the other um spaceships don't they're not, they don't just have human brain cells they also have dog brain cells in there as well so they kind of like have a a dog pack mentality and they they follow each other and there's like aggression there's a wolf some of them have a wolf thing and a dire wolf you know these other kind of dog kind of personalities that are attached to these things and then I was thinking but why do they why are they using human brains like why aren't they just using artificial intelligence and they think oh maybe it's like there's been a butlerian jihad and they realize they don't want they don't want um artificial intelligence they need or maybe the artificial intelligence can't run and they don't have any free will so you have to have the organic section in there but none of that's really touched upon they're just like oh it's like uh you know what's the, what's the name of the author let me quickly go back here uh, gareth l powell it's sort of like ah oh, everyone's doing um sent spaceships who don't want to be warriors anymore that have human brain substrates that's what everyone's doing right i'm going to do some of that too um which 
could be fine, but I, I always feel like there should be a reason behind it. When I was reading Ancillary Justice, there was never a moment where I was like, yeah, but why is it set up like this? Because the personalities and the world building was so strong that you just went with it. Or with someone like Alistair Reynolds, who will go into like too much detail about why something is like this. Or um, Ian M. Banks, which will say, oh, it's like this because it's like this for this thing. But then over here, it's not like that. And there's like all of these other technologies and worlds and aliens and everything set up there as well. Um, another thing that I noticed as well uh, about this book is, let me go back to my notes here. So you have, um, it says there's this kind of group of humans called the conglomeration. And I was like, oh, right. So we've had the confederation, you know, Peter F. Hamilton did that and Peter F. Hamilton did the Commonwealth. And we've had the culture and we've had the foundation and we've had empire and stuff. And so con conglomeration is kind of like the next word which we can attach to something, which means we don't have to give something a name. We can just give something like, well, of course, it's the conglomeration of human planet. So we, we don't need to name it. It's not, sort of, it's not called the human conglomeration. It's ca just called this. I mean, it's sort of like the way that Deutschland, if you actually... Um, you know, if you translate it, it just means the people's land, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, we live in the people's land. Oh, really? Um, you don't need to actually give it another another name except the title of the thing that it is. So you get the conglomeration. But also then you get, but that's only one section of the human space. But then the, the overall human space is called the generality. And then including the all of the known alien species as well, that's also called the multiplicity. So you've got the conglomeration, the multiplicity, and the generality all within this one book. And I was like, and next they're going to have like the um, conurbation and they're going to have the, I don't know, the um, department of whatever it just feels like just so many like generic collective names for groups of groups of things a generality a conglomeration and multiplicity and i just kind of feel like attaching these names to something without ever like getting the full name or what this is short for it's just like oh no that is the multiplicity the multiplicity of what it's like oh we just call it that again this might have even been mentioned but it didn't feel real you know you don't spend enough time inside the conglomeration to understand like why is the conglomeration a thing what are the conglomeration and the outworlders fighting about or against each other for like what is the difference of politics why why is this happening this side and these other things going on at this other side so while the book, as I was listening to it, and it's short, it's like 10 hours long or whatever, there was never a moment where I was like bored with it. And there was never a moment where I was like, oh, this could be better. And it just always felt like it just always felt like there was a lot missing in the background. So much missing in the background that I kind of just I, I kind of just wanted like another better author to come in there and fill in the reasons behind things. And one of the strengths of this book is that you do actually get onto the action pretty quickly. You're like, ah, oh, right, here we go. And we don't spend a lot of time getting to know the characters. We're just like, ah, oh, right, let's just get a bit of backstory like uh, that will fill in along the way. And then let's go into the action. Let's go in. And these people are arresting that person. And this, this ship is being taken over by these people. And this ship's flying over here. And we get some space battles. And they dive into the star. You know, all these different kind of fun science fictiony space opera action um, ship battle ship mind kind of sequences we get to them really quickly but I realized that actually when we get into these things the characters have to be there the the setup has to be strong enough that I care about why these two sides of a war are fighting I need to care about why this character is there and a lot of the characters have these massive flaws not to the point where I'm like oh that's going to be an interesting character but like this is the only way I could I could remember who was who oh this is the young kid who can't sleep very well and I was like 
why isn't he like thrown out the airlock already? Oh, it's because this other character has decided to help in this way. And this other one is here. And, and all of these characters, these kind of weaker characters get together. But they're not compelling. There's, there's very few compelling characters in this book. And the kind of stereotypical, it felt almost racist way that some of the, uh, the, the nod, which is this alien species, kind of, and it's not racist to, to have a, a, you know, an alien talked about in this way, but it felt like very... I know, kind of basic, my f I've mentioned this before as well, when there's kind of like, someone's like, oh, right, and now I'm going to write from the point of view of the child. So they take out like all the, the, the difficult words and really dumb it down. But that's not the experience of children when they're living in children. It, and, and the same kind of thing felt like this with the, uh, with the alien nod as well. I was like, all right, we got it. You're going into a different writing style here. Okay. One final complaint for a book which I mostly enjoyed, but I'm just saying that why I... I think what I'm doing here is reviewing, like, why I like the culture stories and, and, and why I liked... Um, why I like Alistair Reynolds and why I like Peter F. Hamilton and why I, even um, this... Uh, was it Agent Cormac? Although I can't remember the author who writes that. Um, quick, quick, go over to uh, Audible. Who is it? Neil Asher. You know, even Neil Asher with his books, which I actually think are too long... Um, there's a reason why I really enjoy the space battles and the, uh, and the, and the characters in this, even there, some of the characters are a bit flat, but you, it doesn't matter if a character's a bit flat, if you spend enough time with them and get to know them and get to know, like, what is the poetry that they're writing that we should care about this person? Like, is, is the poetry that they're actually doing real? Like, what, why, why are people, what do people see in this poetry? Is, this is a poetry written by somebody who commanded a genocide and, you know, and ordered it carried out like and then their poetry like give me that poetry like or at least give me people listening to that poetry and then reacting to it like um there's all these different kind of things so uh one issue that i had with this and i made a note here yeah multiple first person narrator issues now this is really tricky to do if you've got one first person narrator that's fine and then you can have others which are maybe third person whatever but there's everyone who go to is a, is a first person now this is kind of they get around this in a in a better way, or in a way which is better than, say, uh, was it Leviathan Wakes, which I think they had like two, you know, boring male protagonist point of view characters, and you'd switch between them. And you're like, oh, these are these are almost indistinguishable here. At least they they are distinguishable in this book by having um, like having different narrators. Some some good narrators, some really not so good narrators. Um, when you switch between the characters, so you can tell tell them apart pretty well. And they mention all the names at the start of the chapter. So like this chapter is by this person, but it's really difficult to get to know when you, when you're switching between first person characters. That first person characters never say their own name, or very rarely say their own name. And uh, so often there'll be somebody, there'll be like three people in the scene and two of them or three of them maybe are viewpoint characters. But I can never remember any of their names. And that's really bad. Like you mentioned the name at the start and then they're like, oh, but this person is sometimes called this by this person. And that person changed their names. So they've got two different names. And the spaceship is called this thing by when most people talk about it. But when Nod talks about it, it's no longer... Um, is not lo no longer trouble dog, but it's like hound of nuisance or something like that. Um, it's really difficult to connect with multiple first person narration uh, characters, and just to the point where I don't remember any of their names. And I, I'm really bad with names anyway. But normally with with books like this, they'll be like after ten hours and, and five different characters. I'm sure 
at the end of most books where I spend 10 hours with five different characters, I'd remember one of the names. And there's only one I can remember, which was Child. There was one guy called Child, but it's only because his name was a real name. Like it's had like Child is a is a is a name in this uh, in our in our current world. And then everybody else's names are all kind of like um, Numbily Plong or something. And I just don't remember those names, especially if some of them have two different names and others have changed their names and. Anyway, it's really tricky for me to get the, this book would be way better if we'd have spent a little bit more time with each character and none of them had been first person, they'd all been third person because then we could, when we switch between different characters, it could be, you could be establishing within the writing who is doing what at one time. And, and because there was at one point where I was like, ah, there's these two characters, neither of which are viewpoint characters and I couldn't keep track of what their names were and because one of them stayed on a ship, I was like, oh, that was that one. Oh, no, there's, oh, it's the other one here. Oh, right, I get it, like that. And that gets a little bit tricky. All of this to say is I've spent 20 minutes talking about all the things I felt disappointed with this book. So I might as well spend a few minutes saying what I did like. I did actually like the action. There was some good action in here. The spaceship battles are good. And um, what's going on at any one time is interesting. There are some, like, I wouldn't say good characters, but there's some interesting situations that people find themselves in. And I realized that's what this book was. You know, some people were like, oh, it's great. No messing around, just get to the action. And I was like, all right, yeah, if you can write action, that's fine. And if you can if you can do good situations and you can do interesting space battles, give me those interesting space battles. Like I wish, what the, but kind of what I wish they'd done is that John Scalzi had been like, all right, I'll do all the, the character stuff and the conversations and things. And then this guy, which I'll have to look up his name again, um, uh, Gareth L. Powell. Gareth L. Powell. He can come in and write the space battles because we need and some action and the you know the hostage situations and the you know the fallout and put some heart into some of these characters. He can come in and do that stuff. Whereas John Scalzi can then write the quippy dialogue between the different people. And there is some fun quippy dialogue in this. But again, you need to kind of spend time with characters before I uh, um, uh, do it. Oh yeah, there's one thing here. Oh yeah, Sal Constance. I I. Listen to a whole book, and Sal Constance, who is the captain of the ship, spent the entire ship, uh, entire um, book with her, uh, and would never have managed to pick out that name as well. Ona Sudek. I mean, I guess these are real names in in some cultures, in some histories, whatever. But it's uh, it's it's tricky for me to uh, to uh, put these together. Like you know, uh, Ashton Child was the only name that I could kind of, and I only remembered one of his names. And I think that is not just about me being bad at people's names, but um, I think the writing isn't there. So here is a book which I'm going to give three stars to because as it was going along, it was perfectly fine. But there's, but I, I need more to my science fiction, and it's so it, it's so clear. Um, listening to this book and finishing this book directly after. Um, Children of Ruin and Children of Time by Adrian Tchaikovsky, who is doing something interesting. Like, there's aliens which are interesting, and there's spaceships which are interesting, and there's characters which are interesting. Um, and even, you know, Neil Asher and these other things going on, there's like, like wow, there's, there's so much more to be done with science fiction than just sort of like, oh, uh, what's cool at the moment? Ships with human uh, brain substrates there, like, well, I'll do some of that. And what else is cool? Oh, some big dumb objects. And what else is cool? Um, uh, well, you know, what happens after a war? The fallout from from a war. You know, a bit of that. Um, 
you know, you know, the ancillary sword kind of thing. What happens to a starship or what happens to a spaceship when they no longer are a spaceship, you know, when they're no longer a, a fighting ship? What happens after Murderbot decides to stop murdering people and then just, you know, and, and then try and get on with a real life after being a Murderbot? It feels like let's just put together some current ideas of science fiction and put it together oh and here's a story and i'll take a name oh culture is taken federation is taken um confederacy is taken oh let's just say conglomeration all right that, that's the word we're going to use and we're just going to put the kind of like things put together into a perfectly competent book which as soon as you scratch the surface you're like ah there's actually nothing left there's nothing under here which is even explained within the book and there's nothing under here which can give me any thought apart from what's just here so uh, that said i'll probably read the second one of these or listen to the second one because if it's also a 10-hour audiobook and I just need some, you know, to fill some time before getting into a big chunky book, which I know is going to take some thought and take some, you know, some brain energy, and and I don't and I didn't want to go on with Under the Skin, which I will go on to next, you know, by uh, which is which is a weird one about hitchhiking, picking an alien picking up hitchhikers in Scotland, which you think, well, that's a bit weird. No, it is weird. Um, so I'll get to that anyway. That's the end of my three-star review for this one. Thanks a lot for listening. Um, oh, you can follow me on Twitter. Oh, let me go across here and go back here because I wanted to look up here as well. Goodreads. Go over to Goodreads and become my friend on Goodreads.com and go over to Good the SFBRP listener group on Goodreads. Uh, let's see here. Lindsay rated it four stars. Um, yeah, but it's a long review, so I didn't know. I felt... Uh, Let's get, see what Lindsay said. For all that, I felt the whole thing was oddly light, somewhat in the same way John Scalzi's stuff feels quite light. Still very enjoyable, though, and the authors I'm comparing this to should be telling on quality. Oh, he says... This is a plot character and characters that Alistair Reynolds and, or Peter F. Hamilton would have happily written a thousand-odd pages around. Was he saying that this is too short or too long? I don't know. I should have read his whole review. Anyway, um, Jordan rated it four stars. Santos rated it three stars. And uh, Jim Oriol maybe rated it two stars. And then that's it. There's only four people who have rated this book who are friends of mine on Goodreads. Um, yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> I just read down the top review here. The two-star review. Um, uh, by Manuan and Tower. I can't believe all the people who want to see the sci-fi establishment have a hack at Ian and Banks' culture novels. Yeah, I, I haven't read uh, his full review. Oh, his full review is on a different page. But that's quite funny how he's saying, yeah, look, we just, like, why, look, we can we can still do this. You know, we don't have to do this. Yeah, lots of five-star reviews. But then again, this is totally summer beach reading for me, and I did get this. Um, oh, this is good. Tim Hicks rated the two stars. Hey, I like sentient spaceships. I've devoured all of Banks and Leckie and Asher and others. These are exactly the words that I'm saying here. And superficially, this is similar. It bops along well with action, but also some moral dilemmas and crisis. The Trouble Dog is good, not as tedious. Clay is a cub. Uh, the Genesis... Mm, uh, yeah, well... Um... It, it says, this one was just as promising but disappointing as Akak Macak. I guess Akak Macak is another book. I think I saw this on the start here. So, yes, Akak Macak is another book by Gareth L. Powell. Yeah, so it seems like other people see, yes, it is just a collection of uh, things that other science fiction authors have done better. This is, this is not going to get any massive accolades, although it is going to become, I guess, probably a fun series, and hopefully there's not too many of these books and he gets on he gets better at writing and uh, and does better from now on 
Um, so yes, you, you can come, become my friend. Oh, also, I needed to look up. I had a notification. People were giving stuff on, what is it, episode feedback, uh, I, which I didn't look at before. Let's see what here. Um, uh, Alan Campbell is a fantasy author too. One of Tchaikov, Adrian Tchaikov. Oh, I've got to go back. Um, have you seen the film version of Under the Skin with Jarlo Hansen? It's kind of hypnotic. No, I haven't. But uh, it was only after I uh, started listening to this audiobook that I was like, this seems a bit familiar. And then I realized I'd heard about it. Um, uh, I'd heard about the film. I've not seen the film, though. I will get to it after reading the book, though. Uh, I've just finished reading Children of Time, and I can't help but wondering how Tchaikovsky would have missed the opportunity to end the book with, with going on an adventure. Yes, going on an adventure is a really great quote from Children of Ruin. That's the thing. There's a great, some great lines in these other books by Adrian Tchaikovsky, and there's some great ideas which are going to stick with me for, for a long time, just sort of like small quotes. But I don't think there's a single quote or a single thing that happens in uh, Embers of War uh, which will stick with me long term at least i don't think anyway you can uh, you can follow me on twitter i'm at luke Burge. you can email me luke at juggler.net if you've got any book recommendations but the best thing to do for me to read a book that you want me to read is to go over to sfbrp goodreads uh, the sfbrp listener group on goodreads there and uh, and there's a thread called books i would like to see reviewed which uh, i guess i could go to now um and see what book i can review next which i will get to under the skin because that was recommended books i would like to see reviewed Last updated August twentieth. Um, oh, it always takes me to the. It always takes me to the first book, in the uh, first page in the thread. Why didn't it would just take me to the last, the last page in the thread? Um, Something coming through by Paul McCauley. Um, so some maybe Paul maybe I'll get to Paul McCauley. Uh, let's uh, let's give it a go. I read one of Paul McCauley's books, a few of his books before, but maybe get onto it. Um, so. That's it for me. Thanks a lot for listening and I'll catch you next time.